Welcome back to Everyday Anarchism, the show that finds mutual aid, cooperation, and non-domination in your everyday life. I am your host, Graham Colbertson. I got that phrase, non-domination, from an absolutely brilliant scholar, Ruth Kinna, who is joining me today to discuss anarchism, Santa Claus, and Christmas. That conversation, the first of two Christmas episodes from Everyday Anarchism, after the theme music. My guest today is Ruth Kinna, professor of political theory at Loughborough University. Did I? Loughborough? Correct. Okay. Very good. <laughs> if, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you've already heard all about her book, The Government of No One, which I recommend is the best starting point for the history and theory of anarchism. But she's here today to discuss her article, An Anarchist Guide to Christmas. Ruth, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. So I thought we could just... Uh, start with well first i should say it's just such a pleasure to see and talk to you having read your work and indeed read your work out loud into this microphone so <laughs> you, you, my listeners will will know who you are all, already so um you're a, a very very minor celebrity with a few hundred listeners of everyday anarchism if that oh that's that great counts. to hear <laughs> i thought we'd just start with that um with that article that you wrote for strike about Kropotkin <laughs> anarchism and Christmas how how you came up with the idea of writing it and, and what the reaction to it was so I have to say it wasn't it wasn't really my idea to start off with the um the editor of strike who I got to know a little bit um because I'd written some other uh, pieces for strike magazine and it's a lovely magazine it was a lovely magazine uh, it's now been sort of replaced by something called dope, but it it does all kinds of art and politics and and contemporary kind of anarchism. But he he contacted me and said, "Would I write something on on Christmas anarchism and Christmas?" And um, it was a short deadline. It was the next day. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, he was he was a bit more flexible than that, but uh, ideally, he wanted it the next day. And um, and it just uh, usually what happens with with pieces like this is that I have to think about them for quite a long time because just just trying to think about um, writing something without it sounding uh, too academic, if you like, trying to get the tone mm -hmm. right, trying to get the the hook, if you like, uh, trying to get the hanger, I find quite difficult. And normally it's, it it takes me some time, and I don't know what happened but it just appealed to me it wasn't long before Christmas and um I suppose you know it, it wasn't a it's not a, an original thought to think that that someone like Kropotkin could pass for Father Christmas <laughs> uh you know the big white beard and and I just it, it just sort of the penny dropped I suppose or I just had this idea that I could I could think about um Kropotkin and Christmas so that was the that was the way in, and then think about how far I was going to to try and uh, establish a link to Father Christmas to Saint Nicholas. So, and that and it and it, and it wrote itself very quickly, and um, and I just sent it off, and and it seemed to to be received quite well. I mean, the thing that was, um, I suppose, troubling about it is that because I've spent a lot of time working on Kropotkin and reading Kropotkin. So it seemed to me that 
I mean, it was a very lighthearted piece. It was intended to be lighthearted. Um, but I, at one point in the in the manuscript, I or in the in the essay, I refer to this manuscript, and and I think a lot of people thought there was one. And I regret <laughs> now that I didn't make it absolutely clear that that this was a this was a kind of a uh, a fiction, and uh, not to be taken uh, seriously as such, but um, seriously in terms of I suppose what I wanted to say about the. The message of Christmas and it's and it's um, the way it could be anarchized and um, the way in which it was it has been subverted. Um, so that that was the the, the that was the, part, the 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 point of it. Oh, it's a it's a wonderful piece. I guess I will I'll link to it in the show notes. I think it is gone from the from the strike website because I think the strike website might be defunct. But it's, but it's it's up a few places on the internet. Yeah, one it, thing it, I love about anarchist texts is people don't seem to spend too much energy doing copyright takedowns. For no, them. no, and there's no copyright on it anyway. <laughs> it was republished in Open Democracy as well. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Years later, but it is you can you can Google it and it comes up quite quite quickly. <laughs> I think the last time I googled it, I found it in Open Democracy. So, yeah. listeners, you can you can Google it, but you can also just um, take a look at the. At the notes, and I will have a link in there. One one thing I was struck about that article. Um, so I'm going to do two Christmas episodes because I because I love Christmas. I think everyone needs Christmas uh, this year. And the other one is on the there's a Twilight Zone episode about Christmas um, that I'm reading as a sort of Shakespearean romance. In that story, and in the Miracle on 34th Street, and even in this movie uh, Elf with Will Ferrell, the the abundance of the department store uh-huh. and and then and then the cruel lack of abundance for the children on the street are are always juxtaposed and i think you mentioned that in the article as well there's just something about the lavish opulence of a department uh, store and the way that it they they stand for christmas they sponsor uh-huh. christmas the big parade in new york is the macy's parade and yet in some sense they seem completely against the spirit of of Christmas. Everything is everything is for sale. Nothing yep. is free. There's no sharing. There's no caring. There's no giving in a department no. store. It seems to me. No, and and I think there are there are, there are two things about that. I mean, I think one is the the way that the Christmas shops are set up um, in the big stores. I mean, I remember as a child going into uh, into Christmas stores in places like Selfridges, which is you know one of the big sh- shops on um, Oxford Street in London and they were you know I just found them magical I mean just the lights and the sparkle and the uh you know just the intensity of the whole thing um and you're right and it's 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 an incredibly exclusive um audience that it that it attracts and but I think the other thing about it is that I mean when I was a child I mean I used to think that that there was a kind of a, a gift giving that went on in these things. I was completely mm. oblivious to the fact that um, the children who were given gifts by Father Christmas were given gifts because their parents had paid already and you just yes. didn't know about it. Mm. And, and the same thing I had, I remember going to a Christmas um, party, a child's children's party at, at my father's sort of uh, works do. This was when I was about, I don't know, five or six. And we were all given gifts. It was fantastic. I mean, all these kids there, you know, a hundred of us or so. And the same thing, you know, you sort of thought, well, this was free. Um, but because yes. it wasn't, they'd probably taken it, you know, straight out the pay packages uh, in order to, to, to fund this. So there's a, there's a concealment 
I think in the in the the in the giving exercise that goes on as well as an exclusion which is which is really um yeah problematic yes and, and i and i do think i mean i love i love the idea of of santa claus of father christmas but it does seem that he is also used to obscure you know poverty and class distinctions because ev everyone gets presents from from santa and that's simply <laughs> that's simply not true so my field was the 19th century novel Mm -hmm. And there's all sorts of language in those texts, not related to Christmas, but just ev everyone is out of town. I think uh, very early in the uh, portrait of a lady, the, you know, the British noble guy says something like, oh, you can't go to London. There's no one there right now. And the American <laughs> he's talking to says, are there not millions of people there? And that's that I think it's it's, it's this concealment. Yeah. There's no one there, meaning there's no one. Yeah, there's that... no one worth your worry. Yeah. Yes, and Santa is supposed to be for everyone, but as far as Santa is the product of of capitalism and your parental uh, wealth bracket, Santa is not is is not for everyone. Yeah. At, at all. Yeah, and I think that's possibly why um, anarchists have sort of uh, targeted Santa. You know, dressing up as Santa, going into the stores, giving the presents away. You know, actually. Um, you know, using the the disguise, if you like, uh, to to play the stores at their own game, and that was also something I was familiar with, and, and something that the, the 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 essay draws on, if you like, uh, that you know this is a a kind of rebellious act, and and it's but it's one that restores the the idea of giving uh, in ways that stores want to control. Yes. So one of one of my obsessions in this podcast, it certainly comes from Graeber, and I was talking to uh, Ian Forrest at Oxford, and he. He's, he's a little more skeptical than I guess I am or, or Kropotkin is, is the idea that so much of our world, especially our, you know, Hobsbawm says 1789, so much of our post-1789 world has hidden so many things that we could describe as as fairly anarchist, I, I would say. I mean, Christmas and department stores have always gone together, right? Except department stores are not, are not that old. They're only 120 that's years right. old. There's Christmas before department stores. And when you say, oh, we could have a Christmas that's not this crass and commercial, it's very easy to imagine because this, this level of commercialism is a late 19th century product. And you've got the whole of human history and Christmas is thousands of years old that can be, that can be reclaimed from this. I, I think like. that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. And and I think if you think about the ways in which um, giving is institutionalized in other religions, um, you know, actually Christmas looks rather paltry. I mean, if you think about you know the way that that Sikhs uh, organize food, the way that Muslims organize uh, giving as part of, of as part of their practice, you know, these are not unusual ideas. Um, and it's in, it's a shame in a way that that. I mean, for as much as as um, you know, church officials, if you like, also complain about the commercialization of Christmas and the fact that we lose sight of the of the Christian message. You know, the fact that it's it's Christ's <laughs> birthday and all the rest of it. We tend to forget, I think, within all of that, that this is about the giving, mm -hmm. um, and that's the thing that um, I suppose is both sort of attractive about Christmas, but also it's, it's, it's real limitation. You know, we love the idea of this giving. We love the idea of getting together. We love the idea of the holiday. Uh, I, I think that's a great big part of it, that the fact that you get, you know, special holidays. Um, 
which otherwise, you know, you're going to be, you have to spend all your time sort of working in these stores or working, making the money to mm -hmm. afford the stuff that's in them. So all of this comes together and we think of it as a really special time, but we're not quite sure how we can, as you say, reclaim it so that we, you know, we focus on, on perhaps, you know, um, not just the, the, the 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 time we spend with each other and, and what we want to say to each other but but how we could extend those practices and make them more like our everyday lives and less like you know the uh the climax to to the year yeah oh ab absolutely I, that's that's fascinating it does seem that christmas is a sort of you know, Graver and Wingrow in the new book, uh, The Dawn of Everything, right, about seasonality and the idea of the carnival and the world, the world turns up, turns upside down. And I guess there's two, there's two problems with it from this respect uh, that we've already gotten to. One is that um, it's it's only for one day of the oh. year or or two days, I don't know, Boxing Day or 12 days. Certainly no one does more than 24 days as far as I know. So it's, <laughs> it, it really, it really is a, a, a brief period of time. And then the other thing is, as we have already discussed, if the rich kids are getting the most presents from, quote, Santa, then it, it's, the world isn't turned upside down at, no. at all. It's a, I, I can imagine, this is the other thing I want, the next thing I wanted to ask you about, people who consider Christmas just a gross, just a grotesque capitalist satire on, mm -hmm. on the idea of, of giving. And I want to reclaim it, um, mm. but I'm sympathetic to the idea you know that the that Christmas should be should be destroyed, and of course, pagans, Wiccans, Saturnalia. There's all sorts of people who think we can and should. It's it's too late. It's time to discard that sort of Christian imagery. That's that's not the camp I'm in. But I guess I I, I want to know what you said. I mean, I'm sure you've run into this idea, and what and what's what's your response to that? Can you can you defend uh, Father Christmas against Wiccans? Ah, I, I suppose I'm conflicted in a way. I mean, you know, did I bring my, I, you know, I brought my son up in 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 similar ways to in terms of Christmas to the ways I was brought up, you know, with with something of the mythology, if you like, something of the um, tinsel magic. I mean, I, you know, I'm a, I am a sucker for that. Um, Me too. But you know, could I do without it if I thought that that there would be some greater kind of um, uh, reflection, if you like, on being part of a community and what that means. You know, yes, I could, I could, I could do without that. I don't, I don't actually see that we have to do one thing or the other. I think the problem is how we sort of recuperate something that's been recuperated um, and make it our own. And I think you know, people do do that. People share. I mean, people, you know, get into public spaces. There's, there is a sort of a build up to this, which is not so intensely focused on the. The actual day or all of the stresses that often go with that day because mm. we have to remember that you know for a lot of families actually this is a this is an absolutely dreadful time of year associated with stress uh with with feuding with you know disappointment uh you know with all of those things and just trying to manage uh, the logistics of of of, of doing what you know all the work that goes into all of this so i think i would you know i want to relax on all of those things um i'd want to have more time um i think we need to sort of you know there are ways that you can think about you know what is it that you're what is it that you're doing in the build-up that you could kind of even out so that mm -hmm. you're not you haven't got this kind of curve if you like uh that, that takes you to this um yeah point of 
point of exchange, uh, yes. which is then basically uh, controlled or at least regulated um, by the expectations of of, uh, of the stores. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and Graver and Winger also point out that it's frustrating. You know, you go to the grocery store. I mean, at least in America, you go to the grocery store. And during this time of year, they ask if you will donate uh, a dollar to mm. a food bank and some of the grocery stores do things like that year round but most but most of them don't it's like 11 months of the year suffering yeah. poverty food insecurity <laughs> homelessness those, those are okay um but we're all gonna and then the, the you know the whole tradition of again I, there's something grotesque about it even as it comes this is something my family did as a child was you know giving christmas gifts sponsoring poor families and i remember that one of the first times i saw poverty was when we went and and gave oh. gifts to these children. Um, and I guess it, it felt good at the time, but in retrospect, it feels it, it feels so shallow. Mm. It feels, although I do recall, this is a memory I had forgotten after we did that. So my father was a, was a pastor, um, mm. a, a conservative Calvinist pastor. Um, but after we did that, I remember he went, you know, he was the, he was the sole pastor of his church. He went to the elders and was like, we, We've we've got to do something different. So in that mm -hmm. we've we, we've got to do something for these people, not just at this time of year. So in in that respect, this one moment did create something that could maybe be uh, a little more lasting. But I'm certainly sympathetic to your uh, ambivalence. It does seem it does seem so fraught in in so many ways. Anarchizing Christmas. Yeah, yeah, and and you know I think. I suppose the point about, or one of the things about anarchism is that, you know, if you if you can find the spaces and you can um, find the the or st start the dialogue, then it's up to it's up to the people who participate, if you like, to think about different ways in which they might um, change the practice. Yes, absolutely, and it it also seems to me that we have, I imagine it's roughly the same way in the UK, but at least in in America we have lost almost all of our communitarian practices. Um, I have some very good friends from uh, St. Albans and um, they were over at our house recently and one of them said, you don't do caroling over here, Graham, do you? And I thought about it and some church groups do, but other, but that, but that's it. And the idea of, of community caroling i think is probably please uh, listeners write me in if you live if you live in the u.s and caroling is part of your life but i think that the whole set of practices that can be associated with whatever you want to say the village the community mm. the town in in america at least it seems like we have suburbs and giant city centers we don't mm. seem to have a lot in in between and so if you do have this moment of coming together at christmas there's not the I don't like it. You're right. Not, I don't want to use the word institutions, but there's not the like set of practices and mm. moments of coming together that can, that can sustain that, that I mm. can, that I can think of. That's really interesting. Cause I, th th we still have, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what they do at schools anymore. Um, but certainly you see, I mean, people um, in town centers in, in various sort of groups uh, singing. Uh, so you, you do get that, but it, I mean, I'm Loughborough is near, um, the city of Leicester, uh, which is called the first um, majority minority majority city, so it's mm. the first it's the first city in the UK where the majority of um, of its residents are um, 
from Southeast Asian backgrounds mm. of one sort or another. Um, and one of the things that happens in Leicester not long before Christmas is Diwali. Uh, so there's a huge celebration that goes on for Diwali. In fact, I, when I went into Leicester a few years ago, um, I think there was a notice I saw that said, remember that, you know, the lights are not just for Diwali um, because uh, the default is Diwali. The default is not Christmas. And um, and I'd be interested. I mean, not that I've, I've, I've seen what goes on in in Leicester City uh, for Christmas, but but in Diwali, I mean, this is a huge gathering of, of the communities together. Um, so it's perfectly possible to use festivals uh, in these ways. But I'm just not sure that we have the habit anymore of doing it with Christmas. The habit. Yes, it is. It is. It is a habit. Oh, that makes that makes perfect sense. Um, do you know the work of, of Randolph Bourne? He's an early 20th century American writer. Only the war. Um, yeah, war, yeah. War is the health of the state. Yeah. He, he gets yeah. claimed sometimes in an anarchist tradition. Um, yeah. So I, I studied the American pragmatist tradition, which I've found tons of connections with with anarchism, yeah. most famously Kropotkin visits uh, Jane Addams, and she says he's very nice, but I'm not an anarchist. I'm a Tolstoyan, which, oh, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, you're so different. You're so, so different um, if you're following Tolstoy versus, uh, and actually that's one of the parts of your book that I've quoted is, you know, Bakunin or Kropotkin and Tolstoy. Yeah. They're, they're pretty similar, except, yeah. except for the, the use of the word anarchism. But Born, Born writes that um, when people come to America in the late 19th and the early 20th century, when immigrants come, they, they, they are forced to have their culture stripped away, but there's nothing to mm -hmm. replace it. I mean, he's writing in the teens. Um, is this maybe? the essay on transnationalism? Yes, on transnationalism. Yeah, which is yes. really interesting. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a lovely essay. And he's writing so early. I mean, certainly before the rise of, of talkies. And he says, we just give them, you know, movies and he doesn't quite say fast food but he says like you know bland homogenized food and it's like oh, randolph Bourne knew exactly where this was where this was going a, a giant country with with no communities yeah. and it does yeah. make sense yeah that if you want these these traditions that have been stripped away and destroyed by capitalism managerial feudalism whichever word you you like that it, it may come from from immigrants and outsiders and people yeah. who have needed these traditions to survive in this 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 homogenized world that capitalism has created yeah it's in yes i'm I mean, like it's a long time since i read that essay but i seem to remember him you know the warning that he gives at the end which is that you know the corporations will will step in yes uh if if this if this vacuum you know to fill this vacuum um but i think that's what he says and and if if i remembered it correctly then i think that's right um it is it is what he says and that's the christmas we have now is the coca-cola yeah. christmas yeah which has then been globalized. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. It is. It 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 has been. It has been globalized. There's a there's a YouTuber who lives in Japan. He's from the UK somewhere. I don't know where he's from. And he he says he cannot stand Christmas in Japan because it's. I don't know if he blames it on us Americans, but he he probably does. You know, because Japan has full on American capitalist christmas no sense of giving <laughs> or or there's there or, or giving i mean of course there's oh. giving but it's you know fully the the capitalist it is better to receive than give sense wow. so he can't he can't stand it and so he tries to go home he doesn't travel outside of japan that often but he tries to go home to the uk for christmas because 
at least alongside the American Coca-Cola Christmas, there are these things like caroling yeah. and togetherness and Japan, the the only version they have is the version created by the corporations in uh-huh. that in that great American century. And yeah. it does seem like it does seem again that we we have exported that to everyone. I, I I take no responsibility. I didn't I didn't do it. Um, uh, if, if only it was so easy to say I take no responsibility. It would be, well, it would be you so know, nice. it's um, it's it, you know these forces are powerful and um, you know they they play with 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 our norms and values in in complicated ways and it's difficult sometimes I think then to 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 work out exactly what it is you can reclaim if anything i think um it you know the corporations i mean and i think it's very evident at christmas they don't they don't operate with any kind of cultural reference points mm. and it's the fact that they play with the cultural reference points in the ways that they do and they manipulate them that makes the the way in which christmas is presented back to us so troubling the, the example of japan makes perfect sense yes. because you know something like kfc that the people who run KFC are, I'm sure, some mix of Americans who who don't care about the cultural traditions of Christmas, as you described, and Japanese people who know nothing about the cultural connections of Christmas except its value for their brand. So that sort of cultural disconnection, of, of course you're going to get that in cultures that do not have Christmas. And the Japanese have all sorts of wonderful, wonderful yeah. cultures of, of togetherness and communitarian and, mm. and giving and sharing. But Christmas isn't, Christmas not, isn't one of them. Yes. <laughs> Christmas isn't one of them. Uh, I guess, you know, I focused mostly on the on the corporate capitalist Christmas, but I guess I should also, and this ties into, you know, my Calvinist upbringing as well. There's also the, you know, uh, Santa Claus sees when you've been naughty and sees when you've been nice version of Christmas. So Santa, in this sense, you know, your book is called The Government of No One. He is the ultimate governor. And at least God is going to mete out his his rewards and punishments after death. And so that gives you the chance if you want to do the sort of Camus thing and just hold your middle finger up to him and say, you can punish me later, but not now. Well, Santa supposedly at least will punish you, you know, on, on December 25th. Um, And uh, these days I don't think anyone gets coal. I don't know how real that tradition is. I should probably ask someone from Bavaria. I can imagine that, that being the place to where, where, where Krampus is, is is running and giving people coal and everything with this idea that Santa is helping your parents uh, assert their authority over yeah. you. That seems to be another problem as much as I want to anarchize Christmas. It's another problem, but I wanted to see what you, what you thought about. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a classic carrot and stick, isn't it? That's, you know, if, uh, so it, so Santa becomes the sort of the, 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 the disciplinary tool. Yeah. Uh, so if you're good, you get something. If you're not good, then then you don't. So this is the, this is the way that schools work. It's it's uh, yeah, it's the classic, do as I say, or there's going to you know for reward or or to avoid punishment. And and I think the you know that that's a uh, um, I hadn't actually thought about that until you pointed it out. Um, <laughs> you know that it's that it's in the song. Um, it's in the song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible actually when you think about it. And I guess, you know, from the anarchist point of view, I mean, the whole idea of, of disciplining people like that is so counterproductive and so corrupting, you know. And But I think the other thing is, you know, on, a, on another level is that um, it assumes 
if you like, that that there's that, that what's naughty and what's nice is already settled, that we have <laughs> these moral standards, right? And that it's and these are evident. Yes. Um and because you know, I think anarchism wants to to muddy that a bit. Um and not deny not deny the existence of norms, but not to fix them. That's the whole point. That yes. that you know, as soon as you have sort of single points of authority, as soon as you have single um, moral systems uh, or fixed moral systems, uh, then of course you're you're going to be institutionalizing uh, the interests that that those systems support. And and so so from every point of view, the idea of the the disciplinary Santa is is so perverse. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's you know it's 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 just trying to make the traditional school head look acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think that's what it does. I mean, I again, I you know, it's not as I said, I hadn't I hadn't really thought about it, so I don't know where where how far back that goes. Oh, I don't know either. Um, and what kind? Of, it'd be really interesting to see what kinds of different images of Santa you get. Um, around the sort of the mid-century, mid-nineteenth century, um, where you do have this sort of proliferation, I think of of imagery. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I, very loosely, I think Foucault suggests that that kind of discipline and punishment institutionally is not is not that old. Is again no. kind of co-equal with with modernity or whatever you want to call it, the the French Revolution and the Industrial Revolution. So it yeah. does, it's hard to imagine Santa saying, if you if you sit in your seat and, and look at the chalkboard, you will be rewarded in the 12th century because <laughs> kids were not, were not, I mean, unless you were being trained as a monk or something, kids were not yeah. in, in this school, in this kind of institution. I actually hadn't thought of it. I mean, I was definitely thinking, Ruth, of this as a, as a tool for, for parents, but you're absolutely right. The the model is the principal, right? Yeah. The t- the teacher says, or or school head, I guess is is the the term in in the UK. The teacher, or even worse, oh, what what do they call them? What's the name for the like like prefect, the 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 leader of the class who's in charge of discipline? At yeah, a, that, at, yeah. The, I mean, the head girl or head boy. Yes, um, the the teacher or the head girl or head boy says, you know, if you're not good, I will yeah. tell the head of the school, who is this awesome yeah. figure from on yeah. high. Yeah, reporting just, systems. Yeah, yes. and this is and this is a reporting system. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll tell Santa. You yeah. know. Um, my my parents didn't say that because I was not taught that Santa was real for fear that my image of Jesus and my image of Santa would get muddled. So, but I know, but I know that I know that people do tell their children, you know, if you're not good, Santa, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll report yeah. you to the principal. Yeah, no, I didn't have that either. I, I mean, the, the the Santa I knew was the was the night before Christmas, where mm-hmm. Santa is slightly drunk. Um, <laughs> You know, Ruth, it could be that the problem with America is just that we don't have pubs, that uh, that we that we do not have a sense of of convivial community that may or may not involve alcohol. Because we do, we, yeah. when I went to the UK, there's there's nothing like that in in America. There's yeah, because like when, I, when I yeah, and when I was a a youth, um, of course, one of the things that was exceptional about Christmas was the the licensing hours. Because we used to, you know, the pubs used to shut at half past ten. Um, but but they you could have extended licensing hours, so you know you could sort of roll out of the pubs and go straight into midnight mass. Um, 
which which people did. I mean, partly to keep warm and, and partly to keep the, the, the you know the thing going. Um, uh, but yeah, now of course we you know we have uh, extended licensing hours any any time you like. So that that kind of uh, sense of of being able to do something that you weren't normally able to do has kind of got lost. But um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But it was just something that was noticeable about Christmas when I was growing up. Oh yeah, that is that is very interesting. Um, so I mean, it seems to me that I've I've mostly made a case against against an anarchist Santa Claus against an anarchist Christmas. I do, I do think, um, and I think I mentioned already that I I've written but not recorded an episode about the Twilight Zone version of mm. uh, the the Twilight Zone version of Christmas, which is really as as all most of the great Christmas texts are just versions of the the Dickens Christmas Carol. Um, mm -hmm at least in the English tradition. But it seems to me that there still remains a, a subversive power in Christmas. There is still the idea in Christmas that it is better to give than to receive, that this is a time where everyone comes together. This is a time where strangers will sing to one another. And I, I at least don't want to don't want to give that up. I want to anarchize it rather than than burn it down, which is my which is my approach in yeah. general to most things. And I think also this, you know, this collective down down tooling. Um, you know, this is you know the the the, the idea of having um, of having the holiday, um, which which from again from mid nineteenth century or early nineteenth century was was used by early socialists to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, approaches to work and also to property. Uh, so there's yes. this guy called William Bembo. I don't know if you know. Came up with the, the idea of the Grand National Holiday, which was which was actually to 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 radicalise the, the the holy days and actually and, and turn them into something like a general strike. Um, <laughs> uh, he also suggested bringing back the jubilee, uh, the idea of the jubilee, so that yes. every seven years all the property gets redistributed. Um, and so I think there are things like that that we can take inspiration from um, and, you know, and try and work out what it is that we like about Christmas uh, and then just jettison the rest. But certainly I think the idea of, 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 of not work, which of course only works on the basis that some people continue to work, right. but, um, but, but those ideas I think are worth, are worth playing with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're, I think you're right. This, this ties back to the Graeber and Wingrove book, at least in my mind as well. There are so many different ways to organize society, to relate to one another. And mm. the classic move for, for communism, and frankly, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Marxist, Leninist, Maoist, Stalinist communism. I don't think that will come as a surprise to you, but the common move is to say, Hey, we should, we should do things differently. We should, we should redistribute the wealth and then, you know, it's always the teacher, at least for me, it was the teacher would say, well, they tried that in the Soviet Union and yeah. X million of people died. So this is this is it. This is, mm. you know, this, you know, capitalism with uh, some sort of welfare safety net is as good as it's going to get. And if you ask for anything else, you are you are asking for Stalin or Mao. And mm. I, simply, I simply don't believe that. And I no. think that Christmas of the past and, and these various other seasonal traditions, jubilee, everything—they're—they're they're right there. They're right yeah. there. But I think also, I mean, one of the um, 
one of the interesting things or one of the positive things that's come out of the pandemic is actually how many mutual aid societies have mm -hmm. sprung up. Um, I mean, particularly in, in the, the early months of the pandemic. And, you know, they weren't all anarchists, but quite a lot of anarchists were involved in them. And some of them were anarchist, are anarchist. Um, and I think, you know, there's, that's, a, that's a great example, if you like, of people just deciding uh, to help each other because we're in the same predicament mm -hmm. and some of us are not handling it as easily as, as others, you know, to, to not worry that someone's a stranger, uh, to think about which institutions you want to support and why. Um, and in, in the UK, of course, the NHS was one of those. So people were, were you know, sewing scrubs up because the, 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 yeah. the hospitals were running out of them. Um, you know, the, all of these kinds of examples of, of, of practice, of, of, of giving without expectation of, re of receiving anything in return, you know, that's, that's what it's about. Um, and I think if we can have rituals which make that practice yeah. also like a party, that's great too. Um, but you got to be able norm, to dance to the revolution. That has to be the norm, doesn't it? Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think, um, I'm sorry, I cut you off a little bit. I said you have to be able to dance to the revolution, which is yeah. maybe yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe quoted a little too much, but just because it's such a great quote. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm optimistic that some of the changes that took place during the pandemic will carry on, but it's very clear that they could. It's very yeah. clear to me. I hadn't thought about that. In terms of seasonality, we did live a different way. Yep. 18 months and maybe and maybe for for longer and it's it's there's no reason as near as i can tell that we cannot keep doing things that that's right that way and, and the memory persists mm -hmm. you know does. i mean i think part of the problem <laughs> with anarchism is that you know people often you know the skeptics if you like will say well how's it going to work well you know here's an example this is yeah. how it has worked um without anybody orchestrating anything without anybody organizing anything it it just happened and and the memory of those things and the experience of those things i think is important whether or not each one of these organizations survives in the you know the immediate short term the fact is they were there and and that makes a difference yeah i i agree and i i think you know i think there's a lot to be said for using um, cer certain of the Christian scriptures and certainly the Christmas stories when people say, you know, the people who will inveigh against this reorienting of the society will usually be some version of Christian or at least celebrate Christmas. And this is a moment to to remind them that actually, yeah, we actually we, sh we share the same ideals. I started signing my emails with uh, in mutual aid. Um, and one of my students said, Dr. Corberson, what, what happened to you? And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> And he said, well, you're just, I don't know, you're just so radical. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, your email signature in mutual aid. I think he said, um, that's just, that's associated with radicalism. And I just shrugged and I was like, I mean, if you, if you help your neighbor across the street, that's, that's mutual aid. If it's, um, if it's radical, that is the world's problem. Yes, this, I agree. This, Christmas is actually not that radical. Be, wow. Being nice to everyone else—that seems, that seems pretty pretty normal to me, or rather, should seem wow. normal. The world is turned upside down now, and it's and it's Christmas where we put it the right way up. And let's wow. let's remember that. That's that's what I would say. Anyway, sorry, yeah. I got a little impassioned there. <laughs> that's a nice thought.
Okay, I think um, unless you have anything else to add, I think we've I think we've done what we came here to do, and I've taken yeah, no, I really time. enjoyed that a lot. It was a, it was a lovely it's lovely to think about. I mean, you know, it's lovely to think about Christmas and and anarchism and 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 the relationship between the two, and um, yeah, um, yeah, maybe there is something prefigurative about Christmas practices that we can tap into. I say let I say let's work on it at least. All right. Ruth, yeah. thank, thank you so much for appearing on the show. This was wonderful. Well, thank you for talking to me. Wow, that was amazing. I've got so much to think about. Um, so much to think about from Ruth about Christmas and anarchism. Um, remember, next time there will be another Christmas episode, this time just me, and I'll be talking about the Twilight Zone episode, The Night of the Meek. If you can watch that episode in the next week, I know it's on Hulu. It's season two, episode 11, The Night of the Meek of the original series of Twilight Zone. I think you will really enjoy it, but I think you'll enjoy the episode even if you haven't had a chance to watch it. Remember, I could really use your questions and comments at everydayanarchismpodcast at gmail.com. And I could really use your support, your financial support, if you can go to everydayanarchism.com and make a monthly pledge. Or if you can simply tell a friend, share the show on social media, or leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, that helps keep the show alive. All that's left to say is that the theme music, which you're about to hear, is by David Hill.